Welcome to Ed Leader with your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Join Dr. Jackson for conversations and reflections on improving educational leadership from the classroom to the boardroom and beyond. Educational leadership is an ever-evolving opportunity to make a real and lasting difference in the lives of students, parents, and the community. And now, here's your host, Dr. Rob Jackson. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Ed Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Jackson, and I want to thank you for spending time with me today. If you have not, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast and share it with your network. The podcast continues to grow because of your kind words and positive ratings. Remember, you can find show notes, links to references that are cited during each episode, and find each of the previous regular episodes and the special series that we have done at drrobjackson.com. Today's episode fulfills a special request from a group of friends and colleagues who specifically asked that I share a post that I wrote. The science of reading is a huge topic of interest. For ed leaders who may not have taught in the primary grades or have a background in reading instruction, they may feel lost even as legislators begin to pass laws about the science of reading. Today, I'm going to try to peel back the rhetoric and get to the heart of what ed leaders need to know about the science of reading. Speaking of getting to the heart, let's get to it. As an elementary teacher and former elementary principal, I've watched the battle lines drawn and the theories, best practices, and curriculum shaming hurled back and forth in the reading wars. Equating a war with the debate over the best way to teach children to read seems a bit excessive, but a quick glance over the blogs spewing nastiness about thought leaders on each side of the debate seems to give rise and credence to the name Reading Wars. While you could quickly find those blogs, I've not referenced any of those here as they seem to be more focused on attacking people than on debating the approaches to teaching reading comprehension. On one side is whole language or balanced literacy, an offshoot of whole language. This is the methodology and theory that undergirded my formal training as an elementary teacher. I had the incredible honor of learning from professors like Dr. Lester Lamanac, a noted author, scholar, and frequent professional developer in the areas of teaching reading and writing. Dr. Lamanac was my student teacher supervisor, and perhaps most responsible for who I am as a teacher of reading. I was also blessed to learn from and with Professor Dr. Katie Wood Ray, who spent two years as a staff developer with the Reading and Writing Project at Teachers College at Columbia University with Dr. Lucy Calkins. Dr. Calkins is perhaps the most well-known voice for balanced literacy. As a new elementary teacher at Glen Arden Elementary School outside of Asheville, North Carolina, I was blown away to be invited to join other teachers from the school in going to New York City to Teachers College to learn directly from Dr. Lucy Calkins. That week of learning was incredible as teachers from across the country gathered to discuss and share best practices in teaching children how to read fluently and how to make meaning from the words they read. To say the least, I was well-versed in balanced literacy and whole language. Essentially, 
Balanced literacy is built upon the premise that children learn to read through good books. They are taught strategies and cues to approach unknown words, such as looking at the pictures or using the context of the story. Certainly a positive outcome of whole language was the growth of outstanding classroom libraries and more time devoted during the day to reading. The Readers and Writers Workshop Models of Literacy Instruction, or Balanced Literacy, swept across the country with the Units of Study curriculum written by Dr. Calkins and her team being purchased and becoming, quote, integral to classroom life in tens of thousands of schools around the world, according to the Units of Study. Critics argue that despite the growth and proliferation of the Balanced Literacy approach, Reading proficiency growth in our country has been mired with little improvement. The National Assessment of Educational Progress, or NAEP, is a congressionally mandated project administered by the National Center for Education Statistics within the U.S. Department of Education and is the largest continuing and nationally representative assessment of what our nation's students know and can do in select subjects, according to the nation's report card. According to the NAEP report, Quote, in 2019, which is pre-pandemic, average reading scores were lower for both 4th and 8th grade students compared to 2017. Scores were lower by one point at 4th grade and lower by three points at 8th grade. At grade 12, the average score was two points lower in comparison to 2015. Average scores at grades 4 and 8 were higher compared to the first reading assessment in 1992. However, the average score at grade 12 was lower in comparison to 1992. And, of course, that's from the nation's report card. So, balanced literacy results left parents, community members, and secondary teachers complaining that students could not read and that the reason was directly tied to the lack of phonics instruction in the early grades classrooms. Researchers wonder, if we had taught phonics better, would people spell better in general? Enter the science of reading. Now, in my head, I hear that said with a booming voice and a blaring of trumpets. There's been a deluge of articles and podcasts on the science of reading. One of the major voices to bring the science of reading into the mainstream conversation has been that of Emily Hanford, an education journalist who's written numerous articles, including one titled, Why Are We Still Teaching Reading the Wrong Way?, in the New York Times, another titled, At a Loss for Words, How a Flawed Idea is Teaching Millions of Kids to Be Poor Readers, in APM Reports, And a third titled, There's a Right Way to Teach Reading, and Mississippi Knows It, also in the New York Times. By the way, as an aside, all of the articles are linked in today's show notes at drrobjackson.com. Her reporting, that is Emily Hanford's reporting, also sprung up as a trilogy of podcast documentaries. Hard to Read, How American Schools Fail Kids with Dyslexia was the first. Then there was hard words, why aren't our kids being taught to read? And the third was, at a loss for words, how a flawed idea is training millions of kids to be poor readers. Emily Hanford's work has been so pervasive that Dr. Lucy Calkins herself responded directly to it in a statement released on Facebook and through the publisher, Heinemann, of the Units of Study curriculum she publishes. 
Emily Hanford then responded back to Dr. Calkins' response through another podcast episode titled New Salvos and the Battle Over Reading Instruction. Wow! Shots fired. Again, mind you, I'm not posting links and not referencing the ugliest of blog posts that simply attack persons on either side. Then, enter the legislators. States have begun passing legislation requiring evidence-based reading instruction. Noting that universities were slow to move away from balanced literacy, my home state of North Carolina passed legislation that required teacher prep courses to include a, quote, substantive understanding of reading as a process involving oral language, phonological and phonemic awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and comprehension. That's from North Carolina Statute, Session Law 2021-8, signed into law by Governor Roy Cooper on April 9th of 2021. So, there is a reading war that's been going on for a really long time, and the science of reading has taken the upper hand. But what in the world is the science of reading? The science of reading has been defined in the North Carolina statute as, quote, evidence-based reading instruction practices that address the acquisition of language, phonological and phonemic awareness, phonics and spelling, fluency, vocabulary, oral language, and comprehension that can be differentiated to meet the needs of individual students, end quote. Again, that comes from that North Carolina Statute, Session Law 2021-8. Corey Arms in the Science of Learning blog stated, quote, The term science of reading refers to the research that reading experts, especially cognitive scientists, have conducted on how we learn to read. This body of knowledge, over 20 years in the making, has helped debunk older methods of reading instruction that were based on tradition and observation, not evidence, end quote. In 1997, the United States Congress directed the director of the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, in consultation with the Secretary of Education, to convene a national panel to assess the status of research-based knowledge, including the effectiveness of various approaches to teaching children to read, in the 2000 National Reading Panel Report. The National Reading Panel was convened composed of 14 individuals, including as specified by Congress, leading scientists in reading research, representatives of colleges of education, reading teachers, educational administrators, and parents. The National Reading Panel found that the students need explicit instruction in the essential components of reading, including phonological awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, and reading comprehension. Central to the science of reading approach is a theory called the simple view of reading, or SVR, which basically states that there are two elements that combine to result in reading comprehension. The SVR formula states decoding times language comprehension equals reading comprehension. Decoding is translating letters into sounds and sounds into words. Language comprehension includes the interaction among a reader's background knowledge, vocabulary, language structures like grammar, verbal reasoning abilities, and literary knowledge like genres. From the simple view of reading theory grew Scarborough's reading rope, 
as conceived by Dr. Hollis Scarborough. Dr. Scarborough believed that the elements of word recognition and the elements of language comprehension all wove together into the rope of reading comprehension. Imagine a rope. Just like a true rope, the more strands present and the stronger that each strand is, the stronger the rope is. It's surmised that if a student is weaker in one strand, the strength of the other strands can still help the student comprehend what she is reading. The strands of word recognition include decoding, phonological awareness, and sight word recognition. The strands of language comprehension include background knowledge, vocabulary, language structures, verbal reasoning, and literacy knowledge. Seemingly, the biggest difference between balanced literacy and the science of reading is explicit instruction in phonics. Phonics teaches children to begin reading by manipulating the sounds and words, or, as you may have heard when you were learning to read, sounding out words. Learning to read is no easy task. The English language is made up of 26 letters and 44 sounds called phonemes. There are 144 ways to write the sounds of the language called graphemes. Science of reading advocates argue that children are not just going to figure out 26 letters, 44 phonemes, and 144 graphemes simply by being exposed to great books. There now seems to be universal agreement around the need for phonics instruction as now Dr. Lucy Calkins' Units of Study curriculum includes a unit of phonics. The Science of Reading proponents appreciate the inclusion of phonics in balanced literacy but argue the three-cueing system that is a part of balanced literacy, which is asking students to use cues from meaning, sentence structure, and visual cues to essentially guess the word, work against phonological awareness. In the end, the pressing needs of our students do not give us the luxury of idly sitting back and watching shots being fired back and forth until the dust settles on the reading wars. Students will return to school in August after two years, almost three, marked by a pandemic and will have no instructional time to waste. My advice for classroom, school, and district leaders is to convene a group of curriculum and instruction leaders, regardless of their titles, to review the research from cognitive science, neurological science, and valid educational research to determine shared expectations about how reading comprehension will be taught in the school or schools. In our school system, our school and district-based leaders read the book The Integrated Approach to Student Achievement by Dr. Danielle Dickey. In the book, Dr. Dickey states, quote, 97% of the words that students will encounter as they read will come from the 30 most commonly used prefixes, 30 most commonly used root words, and the 30 most commonly used suffixes. A strategic focus on providing students grades kindergarten through grade 12, he says, to curriculum-driven opportunities to learn Latin and Greek word parts will invariably build students' vocabulary and ability to create meaning while they read. End quote. Building vocabulary is a strand in language comprehension in Scarborough's Rope. We simply cannot teach what we don't know.
This past year, I provided a weekly review of one of the most commonly used prefixes, one of the most commonly used root words, and one of the most commonly used suffixes in the weekly newsletter that I send out to our school system leaders for 30 consecutive weeks. While most, if not all, of the word parts simply reviewed what they already knew, Perhaps, I hoped, bringing them back to the forefront would help our team in our desire to ensure that our students graduate fully literate. Now, this is a small step, but it is a step. If you'd like to see the graphic that I shared weekly, if you go to my Twitter account at dr underscore rob underscore jackson at dr underscore rob underscore jackson on Twitter, and search for hashtag WordPartsWeekly, you'll find each of those 30 graphics for the weekly sharing of word parts. You'll also find it at drrobjackson.com, and you're more than welcome to use those graphics. Throughout the year and going forward, we've also been reviewing our instructional practices and instructional guarantees as we renew our district strategic plan. Ed Leaders, Regardless of your position or title, too often we get buried in all of the work that is not directly related to teaching and learning. Things like budgets, facilities, discipline, logistics, etc. All of that's important and necessary, but we cannot lose sight of our singular purpose for existing, which is preparing our students for a choice-filled future. Ensuring they emerge from our schools as great readers is key and crucial to that work. I would encourage you to take the time to dig into the research. Listen to the podcast interviewing the cognitive and neuroscientists who are studying how we learn to read and using tools like FMRIs to map the brain as it learns to read. Involve teachers and building-level administrators in authentic conversations about instruction. Then, bring all of your team's expertise and experience to bear in making decisions about how reading will be taught in the classrooms you serve. Our children, clearly, are worthy of our very best efforts. Let's let others fight their fights over the $8 billion educational publishing market. We cannot allow our children to become casualties in their war. We must learn and grow and do our very best for our children. In closing, as the great Maya Angelou reminds us, when we know better, we must do better. I hope that you enjoyed our time together. I am interested in your thoughts. Please let me know what you think. And if you think it's been helpful, please share the episode and podcast with your network. Again, all of the resources and articles and podcasts that I referenced during this episode are linked in the show notes at drrobjackson.com. Thank you for spending time with me today. And thank you for all that you do for every student, every teacher, and every staff member. You are making a difference. If no one else has told you, I want you to know that I believe in you. Good day. Thank you for listening to the Ed Leader Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving a review with five stars on Apple Podcasts so that we may continue to grow the Ed Leader community. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with Dr. Jackson. Until next time.